So then the question on the floor is this, how are the children of darkness wiser than the children of light? They maximize their money. They have an understanding that helps them to know the value of their money. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller, and glad you're with us as today we're beginning a message, Money Never Sleeps, a good lesson from a bad example. And, and Pastor, I'm glad we have a few minutes to talk about this because based on what we just heard, man, I've got a lot of questions that pop into mind here, <laughs> but it sounds as if you're saying that the unbelievers, the, the people who don't know God, very often seem to be wiser with their money, know the value of money, handle it better than a lot of Christians are. Oh, yeah. All right, you explain know, that. Well, we need to understand that uh, this unjust steward invested. Hmm. He, he recognized that you just don't live for today, mm-hmm. you know, that you invest for tomorrow. And, and that's exactly what he did. You know, and so uh, there's only three kind of people Ask me. All right. Who are these three kind of people? The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they have. Uh, (laughs) Yes. And and so many of us are not wise stewards uh, because we're spending everything uh, that God allows us to manage as opposed to uh, making an investment and not just uh, to accrue dividends, but also investing in the lives of people, mm-hmm. uh, those kinds of things. And so, uh, I mean, it happens all too often. I, I was looking at a report. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was, um, it gives the reports all the time, Steve. You know what I'm talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that, guy. that the average believer gives 2.7%. So you average all of us 2.7% to the local assembly, whereas the unbeliever gives 4.7% to their local organizations. Hmm. Wow. wow. There's a dead monkey on the line somewhere. Yeah. Here's one that I read that really floored me, that if we as believers just all tithed, mm-hmm. you know, I did a sermon entitled, He's Not Worth a Dime. You know, that, yeah. that God asked for a dollar on a dime. And, uh, you know, if every believer, people who profess to be believers, would at least tithe, at least yep. give 10%, that every missionary on the field would be able to live at a standard of the higher paid teachers. Yeah, I believe That's it. amazing. It, yeah. And you think of all the ministry opportunity that we're missing, the things that don't happen because God's people are not doing what he has commanded them to do. Well, you know, we appreciate share and and the giving of the people who listen to the program. But far too many people are not like the sister in my church. She gave me a check. She said, this is for you. I said, for me? I said, I opened it up. I said, wow, you sure are generous. You know what she said to me, Steve? What's that? No, I'm not. I'm appreciative. And I think we ought to plug the fact that this is a Moody-supported broadcast. Sure. And uh, if you want to be a wise steward, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, let you know how you can do that a little bit later in the program, so I hope you'll stay with us right now. Join us in Luke chapter 16 as we begin Money Never Sleeps. Here's Pastor Ford. There was a miserly old man, and uh, he was like, uh, he was cheap. He, he was so cheap, like as my mama used to say, could squeeze Lincoln off of the penny. <laughs> you ever heard that before? 
And so he was really miserly. He was cheap. And uh, he's getting ready to die, and he's married. And he tells his wife, come in, come in, a couple of days before he knows he's going to die. He said, he said, now, you're a Christian, yes. And Christians don't lie, right? You make an oath, you got to keep it, yes. Okay, I want you to put all my money in my casket with me because I'm taking it with me. <laughs> Swear it to me. She said, okay, I will. So her friend, her girlfriend said, I know you ain't putting that. She said, I'm going to do it. I made a promise to do it. I'm a Christian, and I don't lie. Let me say it again. She said, I'm a Christian, and I don't lie. Okay, let me say it again. I'm a Christian, and I don't lie. Anyway, uh, uh, so sure enough, they buried him, and her, her girlfriend said, did you put all that money in the casket with him? She said, I sure did. She said, every penny? I sure did. Oh, I don't believe it. Yes, I did. I took all his money. I put it in my account in the bank, and I put a check in his casket. Now, that's a wise woman. You might call her someone who was very shrewd when it came to money. Oh, by the way, you know you can't take it with you. Uh, as the old preacher would say, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never seen one. Amen. Alexander the Great said, bury with me with my hands outside the casket. Why? Because they can see that I brought nothing into the world, and even though I conquered the whole world, I take nothing out of the world. This wife was wise. She's just like the steward in the story that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ told. Yes, a steward is somebody who manages something that does not belong to them. And this is a powerful story. And I want to tell you the story, give you the context so you can understand the context. Jesus is not trying to commend uh, uh, somebody who is doing something wrong. So don't miss the point. It's kind of like Rahab is in the hall of faith because she hid the spies, but she lied to hide the spies. But God didn't exalt her lie. He exalted her faith. And so here in this story, he's saying, listen, I commend not his dishonesty, but this brother was shrewd about the money. He had his money on his mind and his mind on his money. Sounds like a line for a song I need to write. <laughs> he said he's shrewd. So here's what's going on. In Jesus' day, 95% of the people in Israel were peasants. And since it was an agrarian society, an agricultural society, most of them were tenant farmers. You may understand it. How many from the South? Anybody from the South? Anybody got relatives from the South? Anybody know what a sharecropper is? Yeah, okay. Well, that's what they were. They were like sharecroppers. And so uh, these individuals uh, were tenant farmers who were one crop failure away from being bankrupt. And in that day, they had what was called a debtor's prison. We're going to look at a passage where a woman, uh, they were going to repossess her children to pay her debt. Anybody wish we could do that today? <laughs> Amen. I got nine grandkids. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be debt free. <laughs> and, and so they were poor. They were living on the edge of poverty. Like mama used to say, we poor, we can't afford the O and the R. Yeah, right. 
And, and so most of the land was owned by absentee landowners who heavily taxed uh, the crops uh, as rental for the land. Uh, so one scholar says uh, that the rates were as high as 25% to 30% on the grain and 50% on the fruit. Wow. Well, it's like our country. We ought not be surprised. Do you understand that 1% of Americans own 40% of the wealth in America and that 10% of Americans own 90% of the wealth in America? Do you understand that the top 1% of the rich in America, they own more than the 90 bottom percent combined? And so that's what was going on here. And so you, you were just one crop away from failure. And some of us know uh, because we live in paycheck to paycheck. Yeah? Paycheck to paycheck. Uh, somebody said, how your church doing? I have friends. Like I have a friend. He has a church in the north suburbs. He's got 30 millionaires. <laughs> and, and they all give him a million dollars. So he starts off his budget with $30 million. <laughs> yeah. He said, how you doing? I said, we live from Sunday to Sunday, and I pray every winter that, please, God, don't let there be this big blizzard on a Sunday morning, please. And I thank God he has heard my prayers. There hasn't been a blizzard on a Sunday morning in about 15 years. And I see it coming down. I say, oh, God, I hope it happens Saturday night or Sunday afternoon. And like Joshua that prayed that the sun stand still, he heard my cry. <laughs> you say, yeah, but listen, yeah, some of us know that. Hey, you know the old saying, one person said this way, he said, money talks, I can't deny. I heard it once. It said, bye-bye. <laughs> and, and so what would happen? Folk that were listening probably loved this story. <laughs> Why? Because it not only meant financial relief for the tenant farmers, but it was also one of those stick-it-to-the-man stories. The rich person comes out on the bottom on this story, and they probably liked it. Uh, and, and so his owner found out he was embezzling, and so that he could not embezzle more, he told him, I'm going to fire you. I'm giving you your pink slip. But because there has to be an accountability, he has the books, you're not done until you bring the books in. And so this guy is not named, so I just named him Bernie Madoff. So he would produce the books as a final act of service. And so he's in a dilemma. What's he going to do? He says, there are only two things that I can do. I could dig ditches. And no educated man in the Middle East would ever stoop to that. Or I could beg, which was either low. He said, I can't do that. So he comes up with a scheme. He calls in the people that owe his master, and he says, look, write this off, and boom, boom, boom. Now, they may have been suspicious, but I don't think so. I think the impress of the story is trying to show us that they think, okay, this guy is giving us a break, the landowner giving us a break. In other words, he went to them and he said, uh, let me be Wayne Brady today. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. And the old adage is true. How, if you owed somebody uh, $500 and they were settling for 100 you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. They said, okay, let's do it. And so what happens? The owner has two options, according to Warren Wiersbe. 
One, go to the renters and explain that he cheated you and lose your honor. Or eat the loss, let the guy go, and keep the praise. The owner decides to keep the praise. Now, let me just tell you the end of the story from the beginning, because we put the focus on the wrong individuals. Uh, most people who put the focus on the steward is not on the steward, it's on the owner. Because what the owner just did was extend what I'll tell you at the end of the message. Now, let me read verse 8 again. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely for the children of this world or in their generation wiser than the children of light. Here's what he knew. Money never sleeps. All right, now you got to keep listening, right? Kind of teasing us with a hook like that. Well, we're going to get back to this message from Pastor Ford in just one moment. It is called Money Never Sleeps. And maybe as you've been listening to Pastor Ford's teaching for some time now, it's really transformed the way that you view money, or it's helped you understand what the gospel is and you began a relationship with Jesus, or maybe it's transformed your marriage in some way because, you know, Pastor Ford's passionate about marriages often speaks about that. You know, if God has been using his teaching to impact your life in some way, we'd love to hear your story. Just come to treasuredtruthradio.org and look for Stay Connected. Again, that's treasuredtruthradio.org. Once again, here's Pastor Ford. I laid the foundation I already told you. Now, somebody tell me, what are the two things I tell you all the time that everybody loves, but nobody wants to talk about it in church? Money and sex. And when you talk about the paradox of sex, and I have, what's the paradox of sex? Who can stand up and tell me what's the paradox of sex? The paradox of sex is that married people who are supposed to be having a lot of sex aren't and single people who are not supposed to be having sex are. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, there's a dead monkey on the line somewhere. What about money? Money, 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 money. See, the New Testament talks about money more than any other subject except salvation. And of course, Jesus. There are approximately 500 verses on faith. There are approximately 500 verses on prayer. There are over 1,200 verses on money. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject other than salvation and his deity or messiahship. He preached 38 parables. 16 of the parables were about money. And people don't want to talk about it. As a matter of fact, how we use money is the greatest single indicator of our commitment. Here it is. Let me run down real quick. Drop them, not push them. Number one, it is an indication of your passion, who or what you love. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In other words, uh, we would have reversed it, wouldn't we? Where your heart is. No, Jesus said, show me where you spend your money. And I will tell you who and what you love. Show me your checkbook. I'll tell you who and what you love. People who say I love Jesus, but don't give him any money, don't love Jesus. Yeah, because whatever you love, that's where your money's going to go. And I could call the roll for some people is golf, for some people is cars, for some people is whatever, whatever, whatever. You pick out your own. Everybody know your own. 
But then not just your passion, your priorities, who or what you value in life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, he said, listen, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. What is he talking about? Hey, listen, you are worried about the wrong thing. Your priorities are wrong. Then your purposes, why we exist in life. Matthew 13, 22 and 23, Jesus says to this man, listen, listen, the seed that was sown among the thorns, the cares of the world, the riches of this world, choked out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then your perspectives, how we view life, Luke 12, soul, soul, take thy ease and... Um, uh, Luke 12, 15, take thy ease. And uh, uh, the Bible says, God said today, uh, your soul is required of thee. In other words, he said, Bill Barnes, Bill Barnes, you know, his perspective, how he views life, your productivity, what you accomplish in life. And, and so Matthew 25, 14 through 30, we're going to come back to that. Then your purity, how we act in life, 1 Timothy 6, 9 tells us that we who want to be rich fall into a snare. The love of money, not, not money, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, Ecclesiastes 10.19 says this. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes life glad, but money answereth all things. Now, I, gotta, uh, I really have to explain that to you because here's what's going on. Solomon wrote three books. He wrote a book of romance in his early life, and we call that Song of Solomon. He wrote a book of rules in the middle of his life, we call that Proverbs. And he wrote a book of regrets at the end of his life, we call that Ecclesiastes. So now, the key to Ecclesiastes over 30-something times is what? Under the sun. He's saying, I want to give you not a divine perspective, but a human perspective. And he says this, on earth, money answereth all things. That's what he's saying. Now, you got to understand, you got to interpret it properly. All things. Yes. And so money is a universal provider of everything uh, but love and a universal passport to everywhere but heaven. So get this. I, I heard this. This ain't mine, but I'm, I'm going to share it with you because when, when he said it on the radio, I said, ooh, I got to share that. I'm in a series too. I bet you 50 to 60% of your prayer list could be cut if you had a bigger check. See, here's what we mistake. Miracles and money. What do you mean? If I have cancer, and I was just with a brother, a pastor, Pastor Rod Walker in, uh, from St. Louis, fourth stage cancer, now he's healed. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. We have some people in this church who have been healed. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Amen. It's a miracle. Okay, but listen, in order to pay your rent, you don't need a miracle. You need money. Now, I know for some of us, paying our rent is a miracle. But I'm trying to get you to understand what he says, money answers all things. If you had a bigger check, you could, you could strike some of that stuff off of your list. Now he says, money answers all things. So then under the sun, money's the answer. And so you begin to look at what he says. I like what one person says. He says, a, a, a person who says money can't buy you everything just don't know where to shop. <laughs> 
And yes, all things. Now, there are some things that money cannot buy. Money cannot buy. Uh, money can buy you a bed, but not sleep. It can buy you medicine, but not health. It can buy you books, but not brains. It can buy you a house, but not a home. It can buy you pleasure, but not peace. It can buy you amusement, but not joy. It can buy you food, but not an appetite. It can buy you finery, but not beauty. It can buy you luxuries, but not personality. Amen. It can buy you amusements, but not happiness. It can buy you acquaintances, but not real friends. It can buy you sex, but not love. And it can buy you a crucifix, but not a savior. Yeah, there's a lot of things that money can buy. Money can buy you manners. Money can buy you morals. Money can buy you respect. Money can buy you character. Money can buy you common sense. And mama said common sense ain't that common. Money can buy you trust. Can buy you patience. Can buy you class. Can buy you integrity. And money can buy you love. Can buy you love. Money can buy you love. So then the question on the floor is this. How are the children of darkness wiser than the children of light? In other words, I want to share with you a good lesson from a bad example. Now, now this is not a sermonic outline. I'm going to give the outline for those who like outlines. I'm going to give you the outline for this text. Here it is. First of all, we see in this text the problem. The problem, verses 1 and 2. Then we see in this text the pondering. Verse 3, where he's beginning to say, now, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? I need some money. Then verses 4 through 7, we see the plan. And then in verse 8, Jesus gives us the purpose. Everybody see it? The problem, the pondering, the plan, and the purpose. It's very clear. It's very clear. That's the way I like to try to give my outline so you can see that's exactly what's in the text. But I want to give you the principles. The principles are timeless truths, truths that extend uh, beyond time. That's what I want to give you today. And I want you to see these timeless truths that are as applicable for us today as it was for them yesterday. Let's walk through. Only got two today. So number one, notice, first of all, the first principle. Why are the children of darkness wiser than the children of light? Because they maximize their money. They maximize their money. They have an understanding that helps them to know the value of their money. All right, so that doesn't seem like the ideal place to have to wrap up today, does it? Don't you want to know what's coming next? Well, you can as you tune in next time. You've been listening to the first part of a message called Money Never Sleeps, a good lesson from a bad example. And we're going to continue this message from Luke 16 next time. If you want to make sure you don't miss it, come to the website right now. Sign up to begin podcasting the program. Just come to treasuredtruthradio.org. You can also listen to each and every program by coming to the website and streaming the broadcast or downloading an MP3 for free. And one other way to listen, especially if you're on the go a lot, is to get the Moody Radio app. Not only can you listen to this program, Treasure Truth, but other programs produced by Moody Radio and streaming music stations. Now, you can find the app by going to your favorite app store, like Google Play or the iOS app store, or we'll link you to it when you come to treasuredtruthradio.org. Hey, before we go, just want to mention briefly that this is a listener-supported ministry, which means we depend on your generosity, on your financial giving to keep Pastor Ford's teaching on this station each and every day. So if you're benefiting from listening, would you consider giving a gift today? Come to treasuredtruthradio.org, click on the link that says Make a Donation. There you can give a regular monthly gift or a one-time gift. 
Either way, come to treasuretruthradio.org and click on Make a Donation. Well, thanks for doing that and for listening today. Thanks also to our producers, Amy Rios and Ryan McConaughey. For Pastor Ford, I'm Steve Hiller. Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.